Hi, welcome to Hear Women Tell, and I'm Chris Hillenberg, your host, where we interview professional storytellers to learn the story behind the story. And today we, we have a, a very special storyteller, Regina Carpenter. Uh, she is from Brooktondale, New York. She grew up on the St. Lawrence River uh, in New York, and, and it had a um, significant impact on her life uh, as a child. Um, she, in her imagination, she'd have underwater tea parties in the summer and stroll across the winter's icy dress in the winter, and it just gave her a unique perspective on life. She's a nationally acclaimed performer and educator. She received the Parents Cold Choice Award and the Parents Guide to Children's Media Award and the Leonard Bernstein Fellowship for Artists in Education. Uh, and on top of all this, Regina is one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. She, she just has a really sweet spirit about her. Welcome, Regina. Well, thank you. Wow, I, I wanted to meet that woman. <laughs> <laughs> I see here yet. So you've won the Paris Choice Gold Award, Storytelling Award, Leonard Bernstein Teaching Artist Fellowship. Uh, you've yeah. performed at the National Storytelling Festival, yeah. uh, St. Louis Festival. How do you pronounce this? Cha Ti Man Wee Festival? Oh, yeah, it's called the Cha Ti Man Wee, like Chatty Man Wee. Okay, and that's in Cornwallis, Oregon? Yes, it's beautiful there. That's a wonderful festival. Now, uh, this is it this year in Jonesboro, Tennessee, that you're going to be a teller in residence at the uh, National Storytelling Festival? Uh, the teller in residence happens after the festival. My, my week happens after, and I am there October 19th through the 23rd. So... Um, yeah, that's. I'm really looking forward to that. Now, what is it? What do you do with that? Oh, it's a program. It's a week-long program where every afternoon I'll tell an hour-long program in the. Um, they have a, a lovely theater there, so I'll tell. There'll be some school people there. That particular, you know, school programs. That particular part of the um, part of. The country just has so many people who love stories and go to hear stories. So there'll be good audiences, appreciative audiences, um, lots of young people, older people, just story lovers. And it's it's a great it's a great gig for for a week. And then on on some of the evenings, I'll go and do uh, performances uh, around town. Ah, great. So they have to actually, like, in different restaurants and things like that, or? Well, this, in Jonesboro, they have a wonderful storytelling guild, very active, very good tellers. And um, it, on the Tuesday evening, the storyteller in residence usually goes there and, and does a story or two and this part of the community. And then I'm going to go also to um, a college and do uh, some workshops in, in literacy and storytelling, um, things like that. Right. Then that's, you know, I was noticing on your website, which is uh, www.soaringstories.com, uh, that, you, you know, it shows your, your, your workshops in literacy, curriculum, and personal growth. Yeah, I was preschool teacher for six years and loved preschool and love the preschool mind, the pre-literate mind. It's just, I think, the most exciting stage of development. And um, so I have a lot of things that I do for really young children. I just adore that age group. And um, so I have a lot, of, a lot of work for that. I call it Reggie's Big Bag of Fun. <laughs> and I bring little things that children can, objects that children can use to sequence the story, uh, to build their vocabulary, and then to do independent retellings so that when I leave, they have a lot of stories that they can tell immediately. And that's important to me, you know, that, that um, it really is something that they get to do. Um, so... I, I love that age. I also really appreciate very deeply the teacher of that age because they're, I, I think it's one of the hardest ages to teach well. Um, it's very busy. The, the span of development is enormous. 
the ability is the ability span is enormous, and they're often underpaid and overworked. And so that that segment of the teaching population are just heroes to me. So I love I love every aspect of, of early literacy. Yeah, I have a friend who uh, who is a, a professor at uh, CCU, Coastal Carolina University, down here in uh, in early childhood education, and she's doing a lot of studies and stuff with the schools in the area. And it's always interesting to talk to her and find out what they're working on as far as like doing research. Um, I, I see here you also do workshops for adults. Um, I do. Yeah. Speaking the self. I see you have memoirs, the mythic journey. The telling the family tree, you know, every storyteller I have talked to so far has emphasized how important it is to share family stories. Yeah. You know, I you, know you, you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. Oh, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah, plus families are endlessly entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's just been... I love my family. I have a wonderful family, a real crackpot. Oh, really? Yeah, great family. And where I grew up is an amazing place in the world. So there's lots of, um, you know, my town was very much a part of my family. The St. Lawrence River was very much a part of my family. And uh, so I'm just, I'm just really lucky. It's also incredibly rich. Um, my community, I'm fourth generation. St. Lawrence River Rat, and um, so the the history of my town and the history of my family are interwoven. So it's very, uh, you know, growing up in a, a pretty stark, extremely cold and magnificent, isolated place, um, there's a lot of uh, beautiful and heartbreaking things that go on there. And um, so I just really love love where I come from and who I come from. Oh yeah, right. Now, are you, now where do you live now? I live now in Ithaca, New York. And you have I you see here you have children. Is that I right? Do. Yeah. How many children do you have? I just have two. Darn, I wish I'd had more. But I had two uh, two sons who are magnificent. My oldest son's name is Willie, and my youngest son's name is Sammy, and um, they're actually not really kids, they're men now, so which is totally weird, and great, and so, yeah, do you have children, Chris? No, I don't, uh, but my, I have a twin sister, and she had four children, and of course, you know, they're all becoming adults, and they're in their 30s, and I look at them, and I still see the, the little boy, you know, or the, the little girl, uh, it's just so hard to... They grow up so fast. You know, everybody says that, and it always sounds like such a cliche, but it's really, really true. And, in fact, we're growing up so fast, too, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and so it's, um, you know, life is very fragile and um, moves really quickly, moves quickly. And it's exciting um, to be in a profession that celebrates the present moment oh. you know while 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 talking about the past oh i'm with you on that uh because i, I think any the only the only time where anything important happens is right now mm-hmm. and, and i also see that you have a dog my dog byron he is a mutt he's uh he's a lab shepherd mix i got him at the pound when he was five, he's 13 now, and he's gotten kind of sick. So, um, but he's a great guy. He's the best dog I've ever had. Um, so he's he's just a great dog. Oh, that's he's, awesome. Do you have a dog? I do. I have a dog, and her name is Razzle. <laughs> and she's a half black lab, half golden mix. And actually, the breeder uh, who mixes those two breeds together is up in Canada. So she's a she's a Canadian. Of course, I've said that about all my dogs, but I've had him the longest, and there really is something special about him. Yeah. Hey, listen, we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk about something that's very special to you called Stories with Spirit. Uh, This is Chris Hillenberg, and we'll be right back with Hear Women Tell. 
Attention boppers, shaggers, and swingers, join us at the J.B. Floyd Community Center in North Myrtle Beach, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for the fast-paced excitement of the Swing Syndicate. Study the swing styles of Jitterbug, Double Time, Lindy, West Coast, East Coast, and Show. Sure to be a big hit on the Grand Strand. That's the Swing Syndicate, Wednesdays, 7 o'clock, at the J.B. Floyd Community Center in North Myrtle Beach, 1030 Possum Trot Road, Wednesdays. 7 o'clock. Are you spending more time than you want booking appointments for your business? Optimize.com can free you up from answering phones, booking appointments, and rescheduling. All these clerical duties can be automated for you with Optimize.com. Optimize.com seamlessly integrates with your website and manages all your appointment scheduling and rescheduling. You and your customers will receive reminders by email and text messages. Optimize.com supports your business needs, whether you have one-on-one appointments, classes, workshops, or seminars. Sign up with Optimize.com for our 30-day free trial. That's Octo. M-I-Z-E dot com. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Hi, this is Chris Hillenberg with Hear Women Tell again. We're back talking to Regina Carpenter um, and trying to get the story behind the story. So, uh, Regina, um, I know that you do... You're, you, this is not on your website or anywhere, but you're working on something called Stories with Spirit. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Stories with Spirit is a national initiative to bring stories of hope and songs of joy to terminally ill and chronically ill children, their caregivers, and their families in hospices, homes, and hospitals. It started... Um, about the germ of it started about five years ago when my brother Tim was killed in a car accident. I had, uh, about then I was in my late 40s and I was um, kind of tired of myself, essentially my life being about me. And I wanted to do some volunteering. So I went through the volunteering process for uh, my local hospice care, then Munich, Kate Miller Hospice Care, and Palliative Care in Ithaca, New York. And right at the very end of my training, my brother was killed in a, a, a weather-related car accident very suddenly. And the work, the, the policy of hospice care is if you have a personal loss, you can't administer to anybody for a year. But I, I still really wanted to do something, so I began to tell stories for the children in a program called Good Grief. Hmm. And Good Grief is, you may have heard it, it I mean, it's such a great name, you know, this, this Snoopy thing. But it's also the idea of children gathering with other children to um, remember and express and process um, the death of people they love. So I began telling uh, at the Good Grief program and really liked it, really liked it a lot. And I'm not exactly sure why I liked it, but it felt like the stories were really in service to life while talking about death. And shortly after that, my both my parents died. Mm. And again, I found myself telling stories about death and feeling acutely alive, almost painfully alive. I also started uh, going to hospitals and telling to children in, uh, in, in pediatric wards, oncology wards, going to children's homes, telling for hospice care. And always it was the story that brought me into a very deep relationship with what was gone and what is here. And so I began exploring that conversation with story and death and life and the mission of a storyteller, which is to, um, to speak the things that are in our collective and individual experience. And um, so I thought, you know, I, this can't just be about me. 
storytellers are some of the most generous, wonderful, deep, loving people in the world. So I, I began offering uh, short workshops called Stories with Spirit and really asking myself, what is it that I'm doing? How do we, how do, we do this with children? You know, what is our role? What are the stories that we tell? How do we tell? Uh, is there is there a particular performance aspect? Is there a technique? I started looking at the uh, role of, of the the um, music therapist who used harp and song while at the bedside of a dying person. What how the principles of music, breath, tone are applied during the dying process and as using that as my foundation I started to make a distinction of well what what is the storyteller's palette how do we use our voice how do we use breath how do we use rhythm how do we use movement how do we use stillness what is the imagery what is the story structure and of course the most obvious difference is that we're not telling to someone who's dying. We're telling to somebody who is getting well, who may be dying, but they're still uh, acutely alive. Although their experience at the moment may be very isolated, how do we serve someone who's still very much alive, but not physically well or perhaps mentally well? So how does the imagery within the story and how does the structure of the story serve life, you know, reinvigorate us to life. So that's really been my mission for the last year. That's what I'm dedicating myself to as I go forward. Oh, that, that's great. You know, when you, were, when you were talking about that, my stepfather died two and a half years ago and he was a wonderful man. As a matter of fact, the truth of the matter is, is uh, I, my parents got divorced when I was a senior in high school, and my mother uh, remarried a, a year or so afterwards, and this man was wonderful, and if it wasn't for him, I would never have even gone to college. I mean, he was like, he said, Doris, we're sending these girls to college. There were, of course, two of us twins, and in many ways, um, you know, I am like my, my father was, but in many ways, I'm like him because there's so much I learned from him in the 30-some-odd years that uh, him and my mother were married, and he was a very kind man. And it just so happened that they were coming back from Massachusetts and coming back down to South Carolina to visit me and then go back down to Florida when he got sick, and he ended up in the hospital here. And he had a lot of health problems, but anyway, long story short, he became critically ill here, and he did die here. Um, and it was almost like he willed himself here so that mom could be here with me. It was just it just felt that way. And um, there's just a um, and and I just have and I'm kind of like you. I see this mystical part of life that happens when we are so much in the moment because we know that the moment is so immediate that everything that's happening here is so precious. And I think about the people who who are in the hospital who are critically ill or who are dying. It can be very lonely because a lot of people are afraid. They're afraid of it. And, and instead of, you know, saying this is a part of life, this is a part of our story. Mm-hmm. Well, it's normal to be afraid of that. I mean, it's not like any, it's, it's not like, you know, jumping off a diving board for the first time. It is the end. Mm-hmm. It is the end. It's it. And um, it's very normal. And and yet, it's, it's the stories contain, like the music does, contains a way for us to see the possibility of, um, you know, I'm, I'm hesitating, I guess, a little bit because I, I want to make sure that I, I uh, continue to remain really grounded in, in everyday life. But the, the, the stories that one tells to someone who's chronically or terminally ill, particularly to, ch- to children, because that really is my focus, are contained within them 
metaphors that are hopeful, that allow us to remain engaged in our own process. So it's not just, I'm sick, I'm alone, uh, I'm in pain, I'm going to die alone, uh, I've lived alone. It's um, that wonderful hero's journey of we, we go places on our own. And along the way, if we're attentive, we receive help if we follow the directions and we return to give something back. And in that returning, we have been changed and have changed others. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. So you were with your your stepdad, and and I'm glad that you got a chance to see that there's a lot of love for you in the world too. Oh, absolutely! I'm telling you, I've been I've been very very fortunate, uh, and uh, and like you said, and I don't know about. You know what? What your motivation is to, to do this? I'm sure it's from your own life experience. But I've always had this um, this um, unexplainable connection to people who are, you know, who are ill or who are in the hospital, whether they're uh, chronically ill or terminally ill or whatever. And I've said to people before, I'd love to do work with these people. And they're like, gee, it would be so depressing. And I'm like, no, I get the opportunity to know these people, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because actually it does seem really depressing, particularly with children and particularly with children in cancer wards um, because the uh, looking at a child who's undergoing cancer treatment is very difficult. They have large scars in their bodies. They have tubes coming off of them. They look very ill. They don't look like children look, or the children that we're used to. Even the photographs of children who have cancer, those kids are getting well, and they're doing well. And a lot of the kids in oncology wards aren't getting well. you know, it's it's not a happily ever after story, and that that's painful. So to imagine that we can shut our eyes and it'll go away isn't true. But the the important part and the surprising part is that while it is that, it's also much more than that. And our experience in life is that sometimes, and also so much more than that. So it's, it, it's remarkably surprising that it's a joyful experience. It, it shouldn't be it's by all rights, and yet it is. So it's, um, But it's also a, a layer that the storyteller has to get through in order to be um, the carrier of uh, hope. And hope doesn't always imply that you're going to get well. Right, right. So, you know, um, yeah, that, so that, they're in the workshops, and, um, you know, I'm hoping that one of my motivations for doing this interview, aside from promoting all of our work, is to hopefully have somebody out there go, oh, man, i got to bring this woman down here. So if you're that person, call me. Um, <laughs> uh, but... Um, in the workshops, we have to spend a fair amount of time developing a relationship to our own beliefs and experiences around illness, terminal illness, um, our philosophy of life, our philosophy of death. We have to know where our feet are planted in order to do the work, the story work. So there's an inextricable connection between the personal work and the story work. Oh, that's great. Uh, You know, we're going to take a little break right now. We're going to come back, and I think we'll have you share some stories with us. So this is Chris Hillenberg with Hear Women Tell, and we'll be right back. Michael Maffeo with the Hip Pocket Band, and you're listening to Shag City Radio. Crazy, baby. Hello, race fans. This is Jeff Gilner, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach... 
Check out my favorite, the Caravelle Resort. The Caravelle Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, pamper yourself with Caravelle's Studio Spa, featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravelle Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravelle.com. 800-507-9145. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit Myrtle BeachGhostWalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. This is Chris Hillenberg, and we're back here with Hair Women Tell, where we <clears throat> interview professional storytellers, and today we're talking to Regina Carpenter. Uh, Regina, you know, uh, I uh, just reminded me of how special a moment it was. I, I just, I happened to be in the room with my mother and my stepfather when my stepfather died, and it, it's, it's, uh, it was so hard to explain to people how that felt. It wasn't sad. It was almost... It, um, I can't even think of the words. It was a very special, special moment with my mother and I and my stepfather. And, um, you know, I try to share that, and, and it's like people don't really understand how that could be something that would mean so much. Yes. Well, death is um, often isolated from our life, so it doesn't surprise me that uh, it's often hard to talk about. I mean, everybody's gone out and had a spaghetti dinner, you know, so those are things we can all talk about. But there aren't many of us who have been at the bedside of someone we love when they're passing. So that in itself can often feel very isolating and also something that's really precious. So I'm glad that you had that experience. Part of Stories with Spirit is bringing stories to people who may not feel that sense of peace mm. or may not feel that sense of closure or conclusion. Stories with spirit, the, the teller is is sometimes working with a family who's going to lose their child. It, I mean, that is the, the mission of Stories with Spirit is to work with children um, and their families. And there aren't too many parents who, you know, you're, you're feeling pretty robbed. Mm. And, and yet the story the story contains some hope, brings a sense of calm to the body, or or uses the imagery that that allows the mind to rest uh, during the story so that they can feel the multitude of emotions that are occurring at that time. Right. Even though you and I'll just speak for myself, when my brother was dying and, and both of my parents, I did feel a sense of release for them and not, you know, and, and not wanting them to go. So there was those, you know, seemingly incongruent feelings that happen all the time. Right. Um, you know, I was at, on your website, and uh, you have a link for... Uh, Listen, listen and buy CDs and so I thought well you know I, and I at the time didn't know you at all so I thought I'll go listen to these and I so I was clicking on the uh, you know play the different links and I your voice is just incredible in and uh, it's it's like it's almost like it pulls you in just your voice and then the story too it's a great combination I would love to hear you tell a story I, um, you, there's one is it called diving and emerging yeah, I'll tell Diving and Merging that I thought it would be nice to have a little song just to perk everybody up. Okay. So, um, let's see. Um, I, I'd like to give credit for this 
the songwriter. I don't know it. If you do know who wrote this song, please uh, write me so I can credit them. I learned it from a singer, learned it from a singer, learned it from a singer, you know, and on and on and on. So um, it goes like this. Well, I woke to the sight of a summer sky, sun like a hot muffin on the rise. Only words I could find to say were, who could it make today like today? Clouds like frosting on a blue cake, wings of a jet trailer figure eight. Elm trees stir and sip the breeze in the big green bowl of the valley. When gets going like a symphony, with a black eye to the company. And the mockingbird is mocking me, cause they all know the recipe. Well, I woke to the sight of a summer sky, sun like a hot muffin on the rise. Only words I could find to say were Who could have baked today like today? Who could have baked today like today? <laughs> you know, for for uh, this early in the morning, you you sound pretty good. I, I don't think I could sing that well. <laughs> oh, thanks. As I was singing, I was like, oh, I'm sounding like a frog. <laughs> oh, well. <clears throat> it's always great to hear people live, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, let's see. I'm going to see another song, and again, I don't know where the song came from uh, in, in true storytelling tradition. Uh, I'll just pass it along, and um, if you know it, give me a call, 607-539-7089, and tell me. I thought a million nightingales on the branches of my heart. I thought a million nightingales on the branches of my heart singing freedom, freedom, freedom singing freedom, freedom, freedom I've got a million nightingales on the branches of my heart. You you must use uh, songs in your storytelling, like in between different stories and things like that. I I've done that myself, and uh, it's and, and especially a cappella mm-hmm. has an effect. You know, I think it's great. I'd love to hear uh, diving and emerging. Could you do some of that for me? I'll do the whole thing. Oh, great. In my dream, I was a girl of nine, fat, budding, wearing my two-piece cobalt blue spandex bathing suit. I was standing on Mercer's dilapidated wooden dock before the mighty St. Lawrence River. The sky above me was gray and swirling. The water below me was green and frothy. The waves that day had little teeth. I didn't care. I stood doing my best Esther Williams imitation. I I jumped into the air and then sliced into the water. It was a perfect ten. The dive, it was my dream. Once I was in the dream, I saw it was like a jello parfait in a Tupperware cup. Now, the top layer of water was the color of kiwi or old glass, where there should have been a thick layer of whipped cream there was a thin layer of light. I swam through the green water and the layer of light, and then I was in the chocolate water, this brackish water. Below that was another layer of light. And then I was in this warm, crystal clear, ocean-like water. I swam down to the sandy sloped bottom and took my hand out like a Canadian curling. I started to sweep at the sand. I was searching for something, and when I didn't find it, I would stop, swim, and sweep some more. I kept doing that, sweeping, stopping, swimming, sweeping, stopping, swimming. And then I found it. It was a big gold coin 
left by Blackbeard or some other Revolutionary War pirate as he went through the St. Lawrence region and the St. Lawrence River and the Thousand Islands region during the Revolutionary War when he was trying to kill Napoleon. So I quickly snatched up the gold coin. I swam through the clear water and the thin layer of light. I was in the brackish water, the other layer of light, and then I was in the green water. I could see the sun shining like a portal up into the earth. But then I realized that I had stayed down a little too long, and I didn't have enough air to make it back up. So I started to swim faster. But have you ever been in one of those dreams when the top of the water just keeps moving up, and no matter how fast you swim, you can never make it to the top of the water? That's what started to happen in my dream. I fluttered my feet, kicking harder and harder, but the top of the water just kept moving up. And I started to think, I'm not gonna make it. I'm not gonna make it. I gotta take a breath, I gotta take a breath. I'm not gonna make it, I'm not gonna make it. I gotta take a breath, I gotta take a breath. And finally I opened up my mouth to take in a big watery breath and <laughs> found myself sitting bolt upright in my bedroom. I had painted yellow and orange. <laughs> my my feet were all tangled around my sheets and I was sweaty I was a little disoriented and kind of confused and then I saw in my clenched hand the gold coin I had brought it up from the dream world it was mine I could feel it poking into my palm even though I I couldn't see it exactly I knew it was there I turned my head away, and then I uncurled my fingers one at a time. And when I turned my head back to look, I saw nothing. My hand was empty. What I thought was a coin was just my fingernails poking into my palm. My hand was empty. I can't tell you how disappointed I was and how unfair that seemed because... I had gone down and made it back up, and uh, no, I really felt I deserved to have the coin. I had that dream every night when I was nine years old for two weeks, all night long, and I never had the dream again. I never even thought about the dream until my son, Sammy, was born. He was just a newborn, and we were coming home from the grocery store. He was in the front. This was when you could kill your kids in the front seat. He was all covered with spit up and drool. And I looked over at him, and I thought, oh, my God, look at that child. He is so perfect. And the dream just bubbled up just bubbled up to the top of my mind for the next three days all I thought about was my dream I thought about the the anticipation about the struggle the success the disappointment the anticipation the struggle the success and the disappointment I thought, why are you bothering to remember this dream now? My goodness, it's 25 years later. I thought of my life from the time I had had the dream to the time I remembered the dream. The anticipation, the struggles, the successes, and the disappointments. And I saw that the dream was given to me as a gift when I was a child and now show me how my life would go how many of our lives would go you know the anticipations the struggles the successes the disappointments we go down and we get something precious and when we come up sometimes we can't see it so we think we don't have it we go down again life is a constant state diving and emerging diving and emerging over 
and over again. And the gold coin, the gold coin, my friend, is you. Sometimes it just takes 25 years to wake up. I've got a million nightingales on the branches of my heart. Oh, Regina, that was beautiful. I love that. Uh, I, I, I just, I wish we could spend more time together because I, you, if people could see, because I, we're doing this via video uh, on Skype, but if people could see the expressions on your face as you told that story, and and you're sitting down, I can't imagine what it's like when you're actually performing it and standing up, but um, just really drew me in it's you you're a very intimate storyteller i can see that and i'm sure that the work that you're doing with stories of the spirit which i know is exceedingly important for you is really in many ways ministering to people and their children and those those people who who uh are in the situations where you know we really never want to be but we will be someday and i just think it's a, a wonderful precious thing that you're doing as well as the fact that you are a fantastic storyteller oh well i've worked hard and i've been lucky yeah uh, can you just tell people how to get in touch with you uh, your website address and your blog oh, sure um well i'd love to hear from you and let me tell you uh all of all of the ways to get in touch with me including my neighbor's phone number just kidding <laughs> uh, my phone number is 607 539-7089 and I'd love to hear from you if you um, if you know of a family that could use uh, some stories of spirit I'd love to help if you uh, are a therapist or a hospice worker or work at a hospice care I'd love to help uh, bring stories to spirit to your uh, children's program and you can reach me at my email at soaringstories at gmail.com, S-O-A-R-I-N-G-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at gmail.com. You can also reach me through my website, www.soaringstories.com, soaringstories.com. And my name is Regina Carpenter. But when my mom died... Uh, I changed my name back to Regina, but you'll often find me on the web as Reggie, R-E-G-I, which is what my family called me uh, my whole life. But once my mother passed, I took back my real name, Regina. Mm. So thanks so much for listening to my stories and for asking uh, asking about stories with spirit and, and for doing this wonderful program. I, I really appreciate it. Oh, uh, Thank you. Thank you, Regina. I'm just so glad that we can, that we're able to get this out to the public. And and I appreciate the fact so much that you uh, came on today and shared with us. And uh, I, I'd like to have you back sometime. Oh well, what are you doing for supper? <laughs> <laughs> oh, once again, this is Chris Hillenberg with Hair Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers to find out the story behind the story. And uh, we'll be right back. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Are you spending more time than you want booking appointments for your business? Optimize.com can free you up from answering phones, booking appointments, and rescheduling. All these clerical duties can be automated for you with Optimize.com. Optimize.com seamlessly integrates with your website and manages all your appointment scheduling and rescheduling. You and your customers will receive reminders by email and text messages. Optimize.com supports your business needs, whether you have one-on-one appointments, classes, workshops, or seminars. Sign up with Optimize.com for our 30-day free trial. That's Octo, 
M-I-Z-E dot com. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit Myrtle Beach Ghost Ghostwalk.com for advanced tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Are you hungry and looking for something delicious and healthy, convenient, quick, and value-packed? Check out our favorite, Jimmy Sabachi. Everything is sizzling and cooked precisely to order, and they use only the freshest ingredients, including sterling silver premium meats. Try their $5 daily lunch chicken plate with fried rice and veggies, or check out their Korean beef lunch plate with sesame and soy and just a slight touch of sweetness. Mmm. For dinner, try their mouth-watering salmon, mahi-mahi, scallops, or tender, juicy filet mignon. You can dine in or take out, and they even have a drive-up window. Jimmy's Hibachi delivers, too. Open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 10.30 p.m., conveniently located in Myrtle Beach on the corner of Kings Highway and 62nd Avenue North. Call ahead with your order at 839-8008 and download their discount coupon on the hearwomentalk.com website. Scrumptious, fast, healthy, satisfying, and reasonably priced. You'll love Jimmy's Hibachi, 839-8008. Welcome back to Hear Women Tell. This is Chris Hillenberg, and now it's time for News and Reviews with Linda Goodman. How are you doing, Linda? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm doing very well, thank you. We good we just uh, we just spoke with uh, Regina Carpenter, and I understand that you have a review of some of the things that she's done. That's right. Uh, I've just written a review of Bendable Barbie, one of her newer CDs. And you know, Chris, I've heard so many funny stories since the economy tanked that... I've been starving for stories with meat. Mm. Thank you, Regina Carpenter. (laughs) Funny sign. But life is a serious matter, and it's important to recognize those bittersweet moments when hard lessons are learned through the suffering we endure. Regina softens those lessons by allowing us to view them through the eyes of innocence. She has a child be our guide through sorrows, pain, fear, and exquisite beauty. Bendable Barbie is a story in pieces, with each piece centered around a Christmas memory. Orange is Christmas, introduces us to Carpenter's mother, who's a woman who can fix things because she's an artist. Walnut sold and red yarn adorn her Christmas tree, and engraved oranges are special gifts that make a lean Christmas seem grand. Spaghetti Turkey Christmas revolves around a Christmas provided by, well, there. Even an artistic mother runs for cover when a father suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome is shamed by the fact that he can't provide for his family. A child witnesses her spaghetti turkey become spaghetti worms. But life goes on, and love pastes the pieces together. Miniature O. Henry Bar Christmas is set after Carpenter's family opens a grocery store, and a Mexican hairless chihuahua comes to live with the family, courtesy of Aunt Marguerite, a beautician who sells dogs on the side. This particular dog leaves a lot of souvenirs. Ambush Christmas deals with a mad rush to the Christmas tree. If you don't get there quick, someone else will get your presents. Almost as heartbreaking as getting a beige present in a Catholic Protestant town where stores are not open on Christmas Day. Bendable Barbie Christmas features both beautiful and beige gifts to the delight of a child and to the relief of a father who has always been touched by war. Thank you, Mrs. Minnick. Is the story of how a librarian makes the world a safer place as a young girl learns karate from the Royal Canadian Air Force Book of Self-Defense. The phrase, do not try this at home, takes on new meaning. <laughs> the fire dream tells of first-time mothers who start OMO, that's Holy Maternal Organization, Happiness is indeed an illusion, but the fire we carry within us keeps us safe and warm through the obstacles life puts in our paths. 
Carpenter is a skillful storyteller who knows how to use her elegant voice to set mood and pauses to allow us to absorb truths that don't need to be explained. Peter Dodge's haunting music creates a yearning for the nostalgic archaeology that this CD provides. Long after the CD is stopped, the stories will be remembered and will remind us of our own struggles and the growth and strength that results from them. Life is not diminished by pain. Rather, life triumphs in spite of it. Hmm. Oh, that's excellent. It's a wonderful CD. I, you I know, uh, when uh, just the interview that we just did with her was um, was really um, wonderful, and she's she's uh, we're also working on a thing called Sacred Stories, uh, where she's uh, using storytelling with children who are uh, chronically or terminally ill, and uh, she's just a kind, kind person. So nice. Yeah, and you'll find a lot of storytellers that are just like that, right. concerned about the community and the world and uh, making this a safer place for children and adults. Right, right. Uh, do you have any news for us this week? Sure do. Uh, we've got the 10th Annual Mohegan Storytelling and Music Festival coming up on August the 14th. It's going to be held in Crom Pond, New York. Hmm. And just a few of the storytellers featured are Karen Chase, Michael Parent, Carol Birch, the Story Crafters, Jonathan Cruck. This is a great lineup. Mm. Sounds like it. It will begin with a workshop at 10, and that workshop will last until noon. Then there's going to be performances from 12.30 p.m. until 10.30 p.m. And the uh, festival is for family and adult audiences. Anyone who would like more details can email Judith Heinemann at J-U-H-E-S Stories at AOL.com, or you can call her at 312-925-0439. Again, that email is J-U-H-E-S-S-T, excuse me, J-U-H-E-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at AOL.com. And the phone number for Judith Heinemann is 312-925-0439. And this event is funded by the Westchester Arts Council. Good, good. And uh, let's see, if anyone wants to send you news, uh, how should they send contact you? Send them to me. Send any news or to me at uh, happytales at AOL.com. That's H-A-P-P-Y-T-A-L-E-S, all lowercase, all one word, at AOL.com. Uh, and if you have any CDs that you would like me to review, uh, if you can get them to me electronically, that's great. If you can't. Just send them to me, snail mail at post office box, 1351, Chesterfield, Virginia, and the zip code is 23832. Uh, thanks again, Linda. I really, uh, it's really great to talk to you each week and, Same and here, you know, get the, get, hear your reviews and to hear what's going on in the storytelling world. And, uh, I think it's going to be a busy fall. I think it is, yes. And once again, this is Chris Hillenberg with Hear Women Tell, where we interview professional storytellers to get the story behind the story. And please join us again next week. Thanks. 